I understand where the annoying thing comes in, but I, I might be on uh, your husband's side. I'm just saying. I think it's just because you're similar to that. I think he sounds like a great guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's You'd like be one friends. of my best friends. You're listening to the Laughing Couple Podcast with your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Join them weekly as they discuss topics such as relationships, kids, sex, parenting, all unfiltered, and all with a healthy dose of laughter. Please welcome your hosts, Brittany and Ryan Ostafi. Um, today we have a really, really good conversation. I'm very excited. We have Kimberly Bean Holmes. How are you? I'm well. How are y'all doing today? We're so good. We are swell. I really like when we do this with an S because we it's like we're acting like we didn't just like talk so much like five minutes ago. We're and it's like this is the first time, but it's actually not because we've had so many technical difficulties on our parts. But I'm um, I'm super excited you're here. And before we get into like all of the juicy stuff, can you give us a quick kind of like elevator pitch of who you are, what you do, and then we're going to ask you a little icebreaker question. Yeah, big conversation today. Yes. So I am the CEO of a company called Marriage Helper. And many people ask, well, how did you get into that? The shortest version that I can share of that story is Marriage Helper was originally founded by uh, a man named Dr. Joe Beam. And back in the 1980s, he had been married to his wife for about 18 years and he divorced her and left her to go be with another woman, her and her two kids and was divorced for three years. And during those three years, he ended up being, before they got divorced, he was a very successful speaker known around the world for several different things. And they divorced, uh, he lost everything. He ended up bankrupt, an alcoholic, homeless, living in his car. He was a drug addict. He became a drug addict, lost everything and became Mm -hmm. a completely different person. At the end of that three years, he said, this isn't what I thought it would be. This isn't the grass being greener on the other side that I thought was going to happen. I want my family back. So he went back to his wife, Alice, and asked if she would take him back. And everyone in her life told her, don't do it. You can't trust him again. Once a cheater, always a cheater. But she knew that in her heart that he was a good man who had done a lot of bad things, Mm. but she believed it was worth trying to save the relationship and save the marriage. And so they got remarried, almost divorced a second time because they hadn't actually fixed the issues from the first divorce, but they were committed this time to figuring out to make it work. They did. As a celebration of their second marriage, they had a third child, which is me. Oh. And then they started an organization called Marriage Helper to help people not have to experience the pain and heartache that they went through and that my two older sisters went through. So I never thought I'd get into the family business. That was yeah. not the plan <laughs> at all. Um, I was actually training to be a marriage and family therapist. And then I was working at Marriage Helper part-time but I was seeing the success and the transformation that was happening, happening in couples with the work we were doing at marriage helper much more than I was seeing success and transformation Mm. in my one-on-one work, one-on-one work with couples. And so I caught the vision of what marriage helper could be transitioned into that full-time and have been with marriage helper for 10 years this year. Wow. Well, you didn't intend to be part of the family business, but you actually are the byproduct of the family business. 
I am. Like the work that went into the work that became the business is actually you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which you, is yes, pretty you cool. You are the mascot without yeah. even trying it's a to be full circle. Yes, it's met. It's very much full circle. So that's cool. That's a yeah, really I'm, really cool story. It is cool. And I, I tell people sometimes I'm passionate about saving marriages because I literally owe my life mm-hmm. to two people who did that. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Oh literally. my gosh. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay. So after, so you said that you wanted to originally be like um, a marriage therapist expert or whatever. Do you still practice that on the side or are you fully invested in marriage helper? Yeah, I'm fully invested in marriage helper. So I I was trained as an MFT, but ultimately at the end I switched to actually graduate as a master's of psychology because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to do my final 500 practicum hours. Um I did not love. I do not love the one I still do not love the one-on-one. So mm-hmm. a lot of times people will say, "Well, I want to coach or consult with you." And I say, "No, you don't. You really want to coach or consult." <laughs> with our coaches who are amazing and very patient because I am very much not. Oh my gosh. Um, That's funny. Yes. Yes. So I don't do the work, but I'm, I'm now getting my PhD in psychology, but it's more, it's not so much to do, uh, you know, for consultations or coaching or counseling it's for research based mm-hmm. and, and knowledge. So easy transition here. Cause you said, I'm not that patient and you are married. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we do a segment called, Seems I love you and you're annoying. So we would love to hear where the where the lack of patience kicks in in your relationship. So we know you love your partner. I hope so. Um, but why is he annoying? But why is he annoying? So Rob is very logical. And to mm-hmm. him, everything goes in a certain place, but it's not the place I want the things to go. But <laughs> if you touch his stuff, it is like World War Three is beginning. And you would think that it is unfindable. Like you would think that it was thrown away or, and it's always just right there. It may right. just be right next to where he wanted it to be, but he just can't see it. Or, mm. And then it's don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. Like then put your stuff away. Right. Now is he organized chaos? Don't touch my stuff. Or is he like, <clears throat> okay, good. See, cause I'm organized chaos. If you came to my desk, you wouldn't know where things are, but, but I do. know exactly where they are. Like right down to it's like page seven, just lift it up and that's where you'll find it. So the problem with that though, <laughs> is that like the whole house can't be organized chaos. Cause we got two kids and they move stuff around and then because it's not organized and then it just goes into chaos when you do need something and it's not in its home you or it, gets, or it gets drawn on yeah and then you're losing your mind and it was your fault to begin with because yeah. you should have had a home so just saying i know this know, isn't about I, us i understand i understand away, thank you <laughs> i understand where the annoying thing comes in but i i might be on uh, your husband's side i'm just saying i think it's just because you're similar to that i think he sounds like a great guy yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> ryan's You'd like one friend. of my best friends so kimberly and is it okay if i call you kimberly do you like kimberly I only ask that because my mother-in-law's name is Kim and I once called her Kimberly and I found out her name is not Kimberly. It's Kim. It is Kim. Mm -hmm. And and I almost not became a (laughs) son-in-law. So that is me, but opposite. I do not like Kim. Mm. Perfect. Ironically, my mother-in-law's name is also Kim. That's funny. So we have the exact same name, even the initials. It's Kimberly A. Holmes for both of us. And we're both married to a Robert Patrick Holmes. That is super confusing. <laughs> that is insane. Nice. Oh my gosh. I feel like if you yeah. ever say anything that it's like, 
incriminating, you could be like, no, that was just my mother-in-law. That was Kim. <laughs> that was Kim. That wasn't me. That was Kim. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. So we got your we, we got your package from your team to our team. We read it, and right off the bat, it said something that Brittany and I were like, oh, it's bold. It's this bold. is a bold statement. You stated that every marriage is fixable. Worth and, saving. Or, and, and worth saving. We all know it's they're all worth saving. Mm-hmm. But... Are they all fixable? And you say the answer is yes. That is a bold statement. So what we're looking at here with this podcast is there's probably two categories of people who are going to lean in here. There's the category of people who are listening to this podcast right now who are not in a great place in their marriage, and we're going to help them today. Then there are people on this podcast that are probably in a good marriage and we're going to help them by bringing out the things that they can work on now so mm-hmm. that they don't find themselves in a bad marriage. Mm, very important. Awesome. So let's dive into this because how can you make a statement so bold as all marriages are fixable? Yeah. Well, let me explain it. So I was on a podcast just another week ago and I think I explained it the best then. And I thought, man, I should say that every time. So it's it a question. <laughs> If you listen to that podcast, you can still listen to this there. one. I don't even remember which one it was. It's only going to get better from yeah. here. It's all, nowhere to go but up. Uh, yeah, but I, I, it's typically asked a different way, which is, is every marriage savable? Can mm-hmm. every marriage be saved? And I, so similar, save, fix, depending on how difficult the circumstances are. I still say the answer is yes. Here's how. Have you ever had an embarrassing B.O. moment? I sure have. Like the time I thought the teenage boy beside me at the grocery store stunk only to get in my car and realize it was me. (laughs) Embarrassing. But we've got the solution. Lumi whole body deodorant. Say goodbye to B.O. worries forever. Unlike some other deodorants, Lumi is powered by mandelic acid, a game changer for 72 hour odor control everywhere. It was inspired by patients' concerns about private part odor. Six years on and with over 300,000 five-star reviews, Lumi keeps us confident from head to toe. Plus, it's seriously safe anywhere on your body. Pits, thigh folds, belly buttons. Don't forget under boobs and vulvas. Yes, this is true. Plus butt cracks and feet. Created by an OBGYN, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor for up to 72 hours. Baking soda free, paraben free, and with fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. And for new customers, the Lumi Starter Pack has you covered with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, and free shipping. Don't miss out. As our special offer, you get $5 off Lumi Starter Packs with code TLC at lumideodorant.com. That's right. Over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code TLC. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Control your body odor anywhere with Lumi. I love starting my day off with a breakfast that makes me feel good. This also involves waking up before my kids to have those quiet moments of peace before the chaos. Absolutely. And Magic Spoon is perfect for that. No artificial ingredients, natural flavors, and zero artificial coloring. Plus, it's great for various lifestyles, whether you're gluten-free, soy-free, or just want to add some more protein. And the variety pack is amazing with flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. So nostalgic. My favorite has to be frosted. It's like a guilt-free treat with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of net carbs per serving. Wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes. It's a game changer. So if you're looking for a tasty breakfast, quick snack, or an easy meal, Magic Spoon's got you covered. 
Head to magicspoon.com slash TLC and don't forget to use the code TLC at checkout to save $5 off your order. And here's the best part. If you don't love it, Magic Spoon has a 100% happiness guarantee. They'll refund you your money, no questions asked. Try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash TLC. Use code TLC to save $5. A big thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. And here's why. I fully believe, and even when you look at the research, the research supports this, that the only thing it takes to begin fixing a marriage is one person to begin doing something different. Mm -hmm. That's it. So if I, when I, so when my husband and I were going through our difficulties, all I wanted to do was place the blame on him. If he would change, if he would do things differently, if he this, if he that, then everything would be great. And that is so typical of people who are in that place. They have their eyes set on what their partner's not doing right or what they wish they would do better, but they're not really focused on themselves. Mm -hmm. But when we begin to focus on ourselves and especially within a framework of understanding how a marriage should be and how we should act and react in our marriages, and we begin doing those things, then we can begin the process of fixing the marriage, even if we are the only ones who are doing it. The caveat is that every spouse has free will. So I could do everything perfectly. I could end up being the most amazing wife, do all of the right things. And my husband, at the end of the day, he still has the choice to stay Mm -hmm. or to go. Mm -hmm. So it can take one person to begin fixing a marriage but it takes two people to reconcile it. Mm -hmm. So that is how it fits into that statement. I like that. Yeah, me too. That makes a lot of sense. I think the hardest part for me to wrap my head around is like, usually when a couple is going through a hard time, they're both super... Speaking from experience. Yeah, I mean, every couple goes through really difficult times and we've had our fair share that we've we've spoken about. Hopefully not current. Um, you'll find out later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm about to find out. Podcast yeah. No, um, well, that was 30 minutes well spent. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the first step is like, so you're like you said, it takes one person to kind of like make that step and make those changes. I find that the difficulty comes in when like you're making all of these changes, but it's super hard because your partner likely won't be receptive to that at first, and it's hard not to be like. Like you can still take responsibility, maybe not blame, but take responsibility for your actions in where is going, like what's wrong in the marriage. But when you're, maybe you feel like there's something so big that it's hard to be like the bigger person. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you come over that hump of being like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be me to be, take that first step. It should be you. You can do small things, but like, I think I would be super frustrated if I'm like, I'm the only one working on this and you're still sitting on your ass doing that. Like, it would be hard for me. Like, how do you get over that mental mind block? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And we see this a lot of times with the couples. A lot of the couples we work with, there's been an affair or there is an affair. So typically they've either just found out their spouse is having an affair. They're still in it. Their spouse is, you know, moving out, going to be with the other person. So that's one of these situations that, that you could be talking about, like it's a big thing and it's hard for you to want to be the mm-hmm. bigger person in it because they're the ones doing what's hurting the right. marriage, like very clearly. And so part of it is really, I mean, when we, when we're talking to people or working with people or teaching people, 
it's getting them to think longer term. So mm -hmm. we use a concept called 10, 10, 10, which yes, like think about the next 10 days, 10 months and 10 years. Okay. How do you, what do you want your future to be? Ultimately, like, would you still, do you still want to try and save your marriage? Do you still want to try and make this work and think about the, the, all of the aspects of that. Think about how it's going to affect your social life, your kids, all of these areas. Um, and most people, I mean, clearly if they're coming to marriage helper, especially the people we work with, they do, they're pissed, mm -hmm. they're mad, they're hurt, they're betrayed, they're angry, but deep in their core, they, they want, to, want to save their marriage. Sure. And so then it's getting them to reframe how they're feeling right now. They have every right to feel all of those things and they are justified in all of it. However, what's going to get you towards your goal? Right. What's going to get you towards saving your marriage? And how can we help you reframe what's in front of you? So instead of looking at it as I'm the one who has to do this, I'm the one who's being hurt. They're not doing anything. What if we could reframe it to say, I'm the one who gets to do this. I'm the mm. one who, because I care so much, because I love so much, because I see what a better future can be, I have the power to begin making changes mm -hmm. for the future to be even better. And I'm going to do that because I love them. Mm -hmm. I think like that kind of thinking is, I can see working well if like there's maybe just like a lack of communication or like there are people aren't meeting in the middle with certain things in their marriage and one person is feeling like left behind or whatever it is. I find that concept harder to get through is, is if cheating is in the way because my brain thinks like this, like, okay, so say Ryan cheated. He hasn't just FYI <laughs> say Ryan cheated. I feel like for me to be like, I get to like try to fix this is like me. I don't want to feel like a doormat. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like, he gets away with this you know, and then I'm still here looking like an idiot trying to get it back. Like, I think we've had this conversation multiple times. If it was like a one-time random affair, we could probably work out with, we could, we could work it out. That doesn't give you like all pass, pass, by the way. All this pass. is not, yes. <laughs> what I'm, hear, what I'm yeah, hearing. Yeah, yeah. Not what I'm hearing. Yeah. No. Not what I'm hearing. <laughs> no. Pretty but, sure you guys aren't hearing the same thing I'm hearing. But if it was like an emotional affair that lasted yeah. like a year, for me, I mean, that first of all, we've said this before, if you were going somewhere else for emotional support, I have to take some responsibility in that because I wasn't giving that, but I would find it really hard to get past that and be like, I'll be the bigger person and I'll, I'll work through this because I'd be like, you don't deserve it. Like, how do I get over that thing of saying like, I don't want to seem like I am like just allowing this to happen. Does that translate? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A question I have back to you so I can understand. So you're correlating allowing this to happen with something. What are you correlating that with? With the act of wanting to save it? Yeah, like I feel like it would be hard for some people if a, if a partner was cheated mm -hmm. on. And I mm -hmm. think it would be a hard question for them to, or, or just a hard move to be like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work through this because I feel like it's okay, it's gonna be okay, and I want the end game to be yes. So maybe I think the question should be at the beginning when you ask somebody and they're like, do you wanna fix this, that 10, 10, 10, at the end of the day, do you wanna see your partner? If the answer is no, like is it worth even going any further? Like, do they have to say yes for them to be like, okay, then let's move on to the next step. Cause I think it's going to be hard for people to be like so broken and not feel like this is a sense of betrayal. Like, why would I be like, you know what? Let's fix it. Cause that would be so hard. I'm so stubborn too. Like, I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> so yeah. I know people think that way. Yeah. 
They do. And especially the fresher the wound is, yeah, the fresher all of it is like just finding out or, or any of those things. But so to answer one of your questions, if someone says no, would, would we kind of stop there? I mean, if someone was in like a coaching session with one of our coaches, then our not coaches, you. Would not you, not one on one. <laughs> Not you, not me. me. One of our coaches, then the coaches would explore that more one-on-one. Well, tell me why, like, tell me why it is you want out. Have you thought about the long-term implications of this decision? Because, Mm. because so many people do make that rash decision of Mm. just, that's it. They cheated. It's over. We're done. But then they have to deal with a whole other set of problems after that. Like you still never fixed the relationship between you. And especially mm-hmm. if you have kids, you're tearing your kids away from one of the other parents because of the animosity between the two of you, you're not co-parenting well. And, and so a lot of people regret and they would say, I've, I've had them tell me, I wish I would have made my marriage work mm-hmm. even when at the time I was so angry, hurt, bitter because they weren't seeing long-term then. So we try and get people to pause, even mm-hmm. though it's highly emotional they're angry, all of those things. How can we get you to pause, not make a rash decision and really decide what it is that, that is best for every party Mm -hmm. involved, including yourself. Now to answer another part of your question, we never, we never encourage anyone to act like the cheating was okay. Mm -hmm. Or that the affair is fine. Like we'll just brush that under the rug and move on you can still work towards saving your marriage while being very explicit with, I am not, I do not approve of your current actions. Got it. It's not okay. I, you know, I want us to make this work, but I am not okay with Mm -hmm. the affair or the gambling or what, I mean, you know, fill in whatever you want. There is this false belief in society, especially the past several years with social media that acceptance and respect are the same thing. Mm -hmm. You can respect your spouse and love your spouse and not accept what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Those are two separate things. That's that's good. I like that word. In business, we use short-term thinking and long-term thinking financially. And the way that we describe it is short-term thinking is self-serving. So how much money can I make at this exact moment for me, myself, and I? And and a long-term strategy requires a group effort. It's got to be for the benefit of everybody. And so what I'm hearing very similarly in this situation is if you do that rational decision because it's self-serving to you, you're hurt, you're angry, you're upset, you're emotional, you want to move on, you want to separate yourself, that is a self-serving concept. If you really think of it long-term, you've got to bring in your kids, you've got to bring in your spouse, you've got to bring in the in-laws, you've got to bring in your circle of friends as part of that conversation. And what I'm hearing here is that if you think long term and you think about the um, community that you've mm-hmm. built inside that marriage as a whole and how your decision is going to impact you, it becomes less about you mm-hmm. and more about, you know, what your future looks like as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really like that approach. And what I'm hearing with Brent here is, you know, <clears throat> it's I th- hard. It, and, I, and I think you nailed it when you said they're they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're thinking that that. forgiveness means what I'm hearing is you think that forgiveness means acceptance where you're like, no, I'm not a doormat. Mm -hmm. Just because you, just because you forgive someone doesn't make you a doormat. It makes you committed to a, to a long-term relationship with your whole family. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Am I correct in that? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I wasn't, I'm, I wasn't meaning to challenge. I just know that there are friends of ours who have went through really hard times and the whole, like every marriage for sure can be saved. I just don't know if every marriage deserves to be saved. Like if, if the person could be treated better elsewhere, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, for in the long run, if they want to save their marriage and they still love this person for sure, but sometimes takes one. Yeah, it does take one. So there are four. So when we were looking at the bio, there are four aspects to a relationship that you break down, mm-hmm. right? The four phases, the four, the four phases of a relationship that you break down. And I think when reading through them, they're extremely important and valuable for us to understand. Can you please go through, um, go through those for, for us and, and our community here? Absolutely. So we call these four stages, the love path. And the great thing about it is that there actually is a process to falling in love. So if you follow the process and keep following the process, then you can keep falling in love every day until death do us part. Mm -hmm. But if you stop following the process, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. So it's very important to know the first stage is attraction. Now, this isn't just about looks, although looks can be a part of it, but they really, really looks are only more important to people who are looking for more of a short-term relationship for a long-term relationship, they still matter. They're just not as important, but it's more, there's four areas of attraction. We call it the pies of attraction, not like the pies you eat, but the (laughs) pies that you do, which are physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attraction. So all four of those, I don't know if you want me to go more into depth on each one, but really quickly, physical is all about how do I feel? Not just how do I look, but how do I feel physically mm-hmm. in my body? Do I feel good? Do I feel bad? And what can I do to, to feel better? Intellectually is all about being a fascinating person to talk to. So in a relationship, it is about having enough in common that you love talking to each other. You can mm-hmm. have great conversation, but not having so much in common that there's nothing interesting to talk about with each other. Right. Emotional attraction is all about evoking emotions within another person that they enjoy feeling. This is the most important aspect of a long-term relationship because you could be the prettiest, smartest person in the world, but if you treat someone like a complete jackass, then no one wants to be around you. No, that's it. Emotional attraction. Don't be an asshole. Got it. Don't. That's it. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) And then spiritual attraction is about living in line with your beliefs and values because nothing is more unattractive than someone who says one thing and does another. Mm. So that is attraction, the first stage of the love path. So you you kind of crossed on those because I just want to make sure that I, that I understand them because a lot of them were, were inner thoughts, mm-hmm. right? How do I feel about me? How do I feel about how I look, how I feel and all that stuff? Not what I think about the other person. Yeah, there's two parts of it. So there's the, there's the self-attraction first. So what can I do to feel the best I can about me to be my best self? And that's going to increase my confidence and my mm-hmm. self-esteem, which is directly correlated to having better relationship satisfaction. So every one of these, I could, I could point towards how it affects you as an individual. And then there's the relational aspect. So physical is that one that it's not exactly political, <laughs> politically correct to necessarily talk about or think, well, what can I do to physically change myself that mm-hmm. would be more attractive to my husband or to my wife? But it is a part of it. 
Yeah. When my dad was doing his research, so he's a sexologist and he did his dissertation for his PhD on the correlation between marital and sexual satisfaction. And the number one answer for women on what did, what was, what broke their attraction to their husband, what made yeah. them le- less sad or less attracted to their husband. The num- what do y'all think the number one answer was? They stopped taking care of their bodies. Um, that's what, what, that's what specific I would way would they stop taking care of their bodies? I feel like they, for me, it would be like, they just became maybe like not as active or lazy, not, not like, doesn't mean you have to work out all the time, but just being like involved and just, I don't know. That's for me. If you were just like, I'm, I'm afraid to answer the question. <laughs> No, it would be me who would be afraid to answer it. Oh yeah, you should be afraid yeah, to, no, an- to no, answer this. No, yeah, no. I think for like personally, my my, I would be like, okay, if you're no longer the person who I married, not just like physically, but like being active and like, because we play with the kids all the time, and if you just like always chose to just not be a part of that, I would be like, this is not attractive to me. Like physically, I don't, I don't like what's nope. going on here on the couch. <laughs> So now it? you know what Brittany finds on a track. <laughs> Keep playing with the kids. You can, you can be sure to never, never do that. But the number one answer that most women gave was hygiene. Their husband was not hygienically clean as they would wow. want him to be. Oh, that wow. makes so much sense. Not taking, Absolutely. not doing the haircuts, not brushing the teeth, not taking grooming oh, the beard. Oh, I went like, not, if you're not going to wash your thing, I will not be doing neo your thing i will not be near your thing yeah. you don't wash your thing i won't be near your thing that's true i like that that's a way better answer yeah then there was men asked what was it about your wives or what is it that makes you sure. less attracted to your wife what do you think the answer yeah was? ryan what do you think <laughs> sledding is sledding lack of lack of sex is 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 what i would think that the number one answer is but what, yeah, like the was, wife, but like the wife safe. not wanting to have sex more. Yeah, yeah, that would be my number one. That would make you less physically attracted to her if she was not wanting to bang all the time. No, well, I'll tell you what it is for me is like if you don't feel sexy in your body, you don't want to have sex, and if right. you don't want to have sex, then we don't have sex, and if we don't have sex, then yes, the the, the attraction leaves. <laughs> okay. So the number one answer men gave was weight gain. Oh, wow, that doesn't oh, surprise see, me. Yeah, I would never say that out loud. <laughs> This is why I said this is not politically correct. Right, like right. people would never say this on national TV. They correct. would be canceled. Yes. I didn't say it. It was part no, of a no, research no. study. Yeah. <laughs> this is coming from me. We'll blame so your there are those parts of it, right? Where it's like, well, what could I do to be more physically attractive to my spouse? And yes, we should think about that, but I don't know that it's the healthiest mm-hmm. for that to dictate our mm-hmm. lives either. So that's mm-hmm. why there's both sides of it. Got it. Right. Okay. So we've got attraction is number one. What is the, what is the number two aspect phase. to the phase? Attraction helps us to want to move closer to a person, which leads us into the second space, the second stage, which is acceptance. Mm. So acceptance, going back to kind of what we talked about earlier is I could know a bunch of facts about a person, but what really matters is how they feel about it. And can I accept what they've done knowing how they felt about it. So let me, let me give you an example with a dating couple. So my dad used to take calls on a local like pop station here, um, drive-in calls in the morning. And cause he's, he was considered a relationship expert. And so he fielded a call one day from a guy who called in and he said, I can't seem to get a second date with a woman. And so my dad said, why, you know, what's Mm -hmm. going on on the first date that you can't get a second. And he said, 
Well, see, the thing is on the first date, I tell them that I'm a cross dresser and they never seem to want to go out again. So my dad asked, why are you a cross dresser? Mm -hmm. He said, because when I was six years old, my dad would beat me up so bad that I would even have to end up going to the hospital. One time he broke my arm, but he never touched my sister. Wow. And so when I'm dressed like a woman, I feel safe. Safe. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. That's powerful. Now, he wasn't telling the women he was going on dates with that that part part of it. He just felt like it was a big thing. They needed to know. He wanted to be honest and transparent. So he would just tell them the fact, Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't tell them the feeling behind it. And the women couldn't accept the fact. It weirded them out. They didn't want to go on the next date. So the recommendation back to him was, first of all, you don't have to tell these women this on the first date. Like, see if you even like (laughs) them, continue the relationship, make it go on. But when you do finally tell them, don't just tell them the fact, tell them the story and your feelings behind it. Yeah. And it's more likely to be accepted in that way. So the stage of acceptance is, can this person know what I've done, what I think about, what I want to do, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and still accept me for who I am, because that helps us to feel secure. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yes. That's, that's really good. Okay. So attraction, acceptance. <laughs> I'm like, are you, I'm a visual person. I need to see them on a Bristol board so that I can like, place it yeah. Out. yeah, there you go. So right. what's the third phase? So the third phase phase after we feel secure leads us to want to feel more secure, which is attachment. So attachment is really where the relationship begins to cement itself together. And it does that by both spouses showing that they will be there for the other person no matter what. Mm. So there's a lot out there, especially now attachment theory has become very popular. A lot of people are talking about it. And yes, there's a lot of it that goes back to childhood and first romantic relationships, but attachment and wanting to feel seen and have our needs met is something that is important throughout our entire lives. And so, especially in your marriage, when you can show the other person, I will be there for you when you need me, Mm -hmm. I will see you, I will hold you, I will help meet the needs that you have, that attaches your relationship to be Mm long-term attachment. Got it. So you're, it, it, they're your person. Like, yeah, we, you know- we've, we've heard of this attachment theory. We had a podcast about a month and a half ago, two months ago about this, and it was negative. Negative attachment. But what, yeah. you're, what you're saying is it's always going to be there. It's going to be the driving force of anybody's relationship with anyone is, do I feel like this person has my back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. I mean, that's, it's pretty. Makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, okay. Got that. And then the last phase. The last one, aspiration is the final stage. That doesn't mean it ends there, but that final stage that most couples never actually get to Mm -hmm. is having a shared vision and a shared dream of what they want their future to be together. Mm -hmm. It's innate when we're dating, we're looking for someone to marry. When we're engaged, we're looking to plan the wedding. When we get married, we're looking for that house with the white Mm -hmm. picket fence and two and a half kids. But after we achieve those things, so to say, we stop dreaming together. Like Mm -hmm. what is the next thing that you and your spouse are looking forward to Mm -hmm. that you're doing together? Because here's what the research shows us. When a couple can have that, then they are better able to withstand the struggles of life 
because they always have something pulling them back Mm -hmm. together greater than themselves that they can continually focus on. So life will try and pull you apart, but what is it that you can continually do to Mm -hmm. bring you back together? And this could be something as extravagant as wanting to retire in the Swiss Alps, or it can be something as easy as we want to go camping together mm-hmm. once every quarter, once every sure. season, because we love camping and it's something we enjoy doing. But what are those aspirations? What are the shared dreams, shared visions that you want to accomplish together? We use we, that terminology oh, called the creation ship. Is I that what you're going to do? Literally, yes. I was like, we're going to take yes, it. Yes, I knew we it. We call it a creation ship. And, and oh, we, we stole talk, it. We stole we, that. Correct. Well, I forget. We stole that and we like that. We did. I forget. Our Aussie friends. Yes. Our Aussie friends. A creation ship. And you're right. It really can be anything from going camping to like building a podcast. Like that's literally where like we need something together. You work often, like you can be successful. Both partners can be successful on their own paths. They Mm -hmm. can still love each other, but they, there becomes a part where like, how long are they going to be parallel? Like they got to meet at some point. Right. So they'll bring them together. What I, I so that. listening to this, I can, and I'm, I'm not in your space and I don't hear people on a consistent basis. I'm certainly not one of your coaches, but I have a feeling that phase one and phase two is where most relationships go wrong mm-hmm. because phase three and phase four, for me, you don't get to phase four unless you're in a good place. Mm-hmm. And phase three only exists if phase one and two exist. Is that, is that accurate? Phase one or phase two is kind of where things go sour. Yeah, that's, that's mostly accurate. I mean, I, I think an argument could be made that a couple could be doing really well, but then they stop being there for each other Mm -hmm. and that, and then it kind of trickles backwards, but yes, absolutely. And even, and the other point that I want to make sure people don't miss here is this isn't a, you reach the end and you've won. Yeah. This is every day you start, you don't necessarily start literally back at Mm -hmm. the beginning, but you are conscious of all of these. And it's a path that you choose to follow every day. You work on becoming better in each spot. And so mm-hmm. it's secular. It's not, not linear. linear. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Be the best version of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. Therefore you're attracted of, therefore you'll be attracted to, and then build from that in. So it, inside that build that communication channels between the two of you guys so that, because here's the thing, I can be super attractive. I can make a mistake and you might not understand it and not know where it came from. And, so what I'm really hearing there is is being able to communicate those actions that occur to be able to share with your partner. Not only did I do this, but this is why I did this so that they can accept it or or not. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, everything else kind of just starts to flow. But do that every day. <laughs> Otherwise, it can become stagnant because there are there are a lot of couples. Correct me if I'm wrong. There are a lot of couples that have no reason to divorce, but they keep saying, ah, you know, I'm just bored. Me. Right. I cheated on him because I'm bored. Well, what does he do wrong? Nothing. He's a good guy or she's great, but I'm bored. Got to put in the work. Yeah. Right. Put it in. Um, Okay. So quickly, before we wrap up, I want you, you're offering a free little mini course, right? Yes. Would you like to tell our listeners about that? how to get your spouse to fall back in love with you. So it goes more in depth into this concept of the love path, which we briefly talked about here, gives a few more things in each area that you can more tactically do to to start implementing each of these things beginning today. And ultimately, going back to what we said at the beginning, yes, every spouse in every relationship has free will. Mm. And that's why y'all were talking about your friends in Australia earlier. We've borrowed a concept from Australia as well. So a lot of people, when they think about their marriage, when they think about their relationships, they, they try and 
whether they mean to or not, their actions can become controlling Mm -hmm. and they can kind of in, in theory, not literally put like balls and chains around their spouse to try and get them to stay. But in reality, no one wants to feel like they're being controlled. No one, no one reacts well to that. Instead, what we want to do is focus on like what they do in Australia. They have so much land, farmland in the outback that they could never put a fence around it. It would cost way too much money. So instead, what they do is they build a well right in the middle. Mm -hmm. And because the well is what the animals need to be nourished, to stay hydrated, they don't want to to wander far because they have what they need there. So that's the same concept. How can we be in our relationships that well? be the well how can how How can can we we be be a source how can we be a source to come back to yeah rather than how do we keep you trapped right how do we keep you from leaving how do we keep you here because you want to be here versus how do i how do i put a fence around you Mm -hmm. i like that's so cool it is cool um so where can people sign up for this Yes. So you can go to marriagehelper.com and there's a thing right at the top that says join the mini course. So it's a banner right at the top. That's the easiest way to get to it. Awesome. And then do you want to just link um, any of your socials so people can find the podcast, the podcast? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So I have a podcast called It Starts With Attraction. I talk more about these areas of the pies like we talked about at the beginning. It is my passion project. I love helping people become their best self. But then we also have one called Relationship Radio, where if you're in that space where your marriage is in crisis or something that you feel like needs to be fixed, the topics we talk about on Relationship Radio are exactly what you need to hear. And then we have YouTube where you can find us. um, We're on Instagram, TikTok. Our social media girl is all over TikTok. Amazing. I don't understand TikTok, but <laughs> no we <worries>. have a TikTok. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. This was like a really good conversation. Thank you. you never it. know with podcasts. Like you're like, I hope this, it was really good. Loved it. Loved it. Loved, loved it. it. I loved it too. Y'all are so fun. Ryan. Kimberly, thank you so much. Yes. Have a good day. We appreciate you. Have a wonderful day. I, 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 I,